We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find all of my work and Mavs content at Dalton underscore Trigg on Twitter. Uh, you can follow our pod account at Step Back Mavs on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, Facebook. We're everywhere. So uh, be sure to go follow us there. Uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. And guys, if you leave a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you're automatically entered for any ticket giveaways we do in the future. Uh, we've already done done a couple of those this year. Uh, and like I said, you know, all you got to do is just go leave a review and, you know, you'll have your your entry there for future giveaways. So be sure to do that. And also join our Discord channel. Uh, I'll post the link uh, again today, but I've been posting that on Twitter every time we have a Mavs watch party. We're doing those for every single Mavs game now. I don't host every single one of them, but uh, we, we are the, the Mavs step back room, uh, the playback room. We're, we're doing all the games now, so be sure to come join the community there. We have a great time. Uh, I had my guy Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball on the last one. Uh, at halftime of the Mavs big win over the Utah Jazz. It's a great time, and it's free. Go join our Discord where I post all the watch party links, and, and we'll have a good time together. But uh, today I have a special guest, return guest, uh, my colleague over at DallasBasketball.com. It's Lance Roberson. You can find him at Lance underscore 972 on Twitter. Uh, he does a bunch of great stuff for us over there. He has taken over the iconic uh, Mavs Donuts that we've been doing at, at DallasBasketball.com for for decades. And uh, so he's been doing that. He's been doing a stat of the week column, and uh, he does a bunch of other different stuff for us. But Lance, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to be back on the pod. It's been a while, so thanks for uh, inviting me back. For sure. <laughs> For sure. We'll have to do it more often. It it seems like it's easier to get this kind of stuff scheduled and, you know, knock it out with with guests during the off season more so than it is in season because there's just so much going on. And 
Uh, it's been a whirlwind ever since. It, you know, before the trade deadline, this second half of the season, it's just flown by. Like, I can't believe <laughs> – I can't believe we've got – what is it, 17 games left now? It's – uh this season has flown by for sure. And ma- part of that is because of how fun the Dallas Mavericks have been in this second half of the season. I know, you know, during the first half of the season, it was kind of like a slog – Uh, The offense hadn't found a groove yet. Uh, The Mavs were still winning games here and there, but it was almost like by the skin of their teeth, it didn't really feel – it felt like they got lucky in a couple of games. Now they've completely turned it around. Since the start of the new year, they're like 22-7. and And the only – or 23-7 and now. So uh, I didn't count that last win against Utah. So the only team in the league that has more wins – this calendar year than the Mavs or the Phoenix Suns. And the Mavs are now a half game behind the Jazz for home court in the West, which is something they haven't achieved since the 2011 title year. And, I mean, hilariously enough, they're within striking distance of the third and second seed <laughs> with with 17 games left. So I, I that, that's probably – you know, being a little ambitious, thinking that they'll get to that point. But, man, with the way the Warriors have been slipping lately uh, and the Mavs have the tiebreaker over them, I could see a situation where the Mavs eventually make it up to the third seed. Uh, but, you know, they're playing great basketball. Luka had a 35-point, 16-rebound, which was a season-high, seven-assist performance against the Jazz. It was the first time they beat the Jazz this season. Uh, the coaching staff made some great adjustments, you know, from the first two Utah matchups to that one. And, you know, the they were actually calling Rudy Gobert for some of these obvious fouls that they didn't in the last matchup with them. So that was good. It was good to steal a win against the Kings when Luka didn't play. Spencer Dinwiddie has been amazing. But, Lance, just overall, these last couple of games and just how the Mavs have played at the start of, you know, 2022 – uh, I mean, where are you at on this team on your confidence meter and where they could potentially end up when the regular season ends? All right. So I just want to, you know, point out right now that even if the, like the Mavs caught up to the Jazz, like the Jazz would technically still have the, you know, the, the tiebreaker. Obviously, they're still going to play him another time. Um, but overall, the offense is just, it's a lot easier to look at because they're not trying to force an issue that, we already know they tried to force with Porzingis and, you know, it's no disrespect to him. It's just, it just end up that the way that Porzingis wanted to play was, was not, you know, sinking with Doncic's strengths. And then Woody, honestly, he just came through and surprised everybody. And I think that he's like probably one of the biggest reasons why they're on a five game winning streak. I mean, we pointed out his performance in Sacramento um, and obviously like my uh, mass out of the week, you know, pointed out to his average of the last five games, 22.8 points on 67.2 uh, true shooting. So he's he's shooting efficiently. He's fitting in with Luca. Like, I mean, they're sharing the court. It doesn't matter if Dinwiddie's coming off the bench or, or starting. You know, he's meshing well with both units. So I think he plays a huge role. And I just think overall the offense is in a groove and the defense has been doing what it's been doing. So. I just think Dinwiddie's fit, it, it plays a huge role in the Mavs, you know, recent, uh, recent stretch. I know, you know, but when that trade happened, because, I mean, I from the beginning, and our guy Grant Afseth, who also does great work over at DallasBasketball.com as well, 
we talked about this on one of the – he came on uh, shortly after uh, the trade happened just to talk about the fit and everything. And we both kind of mutually agreed that, that Dinwiddie, if he can, you know, continue to rehab from his ACL injury, that he was a pretty good fit with the Mavs. I mean, they, they desperately needed somebody like him off of the bench, a secondary ball handler, a guy who can create his own shot. You know, he draws a ton of fouls. I think uh, is talk over at uh Mavs Moneyball posted something the other day saying he's in like the top 1% of guys in the league who draw fouls, which is incredible. And that was the case before, <laughs> before right. he got Dallas and he's continued that now. So, the fact that he has come in and, you know, the further away he gets from that injury, uh, the better he's going to be. And he, you got the morale boost coming from that bad situation in the Wizards locker room to what he's with in, with the Mavs now. Even with me, you know, kind of thinking this was going to be a good fit regardless, you know, the ceiling for the Mavs isn't capped the way I thought it would be. You know, everybody said with Porzingis – the Mavs had a higher ceiling if he could stay healthy. And I kind of agreed with that part of it. But if Dinwiddie's going to play like this, I'm going to have to reassess that that line of thinking because, I mean, if, if he's going out there when Luka's out and putting up 36 points and seven assists and, you know, helping the Mavs get wins without Luka, which is something that has not happened often over the last couple of years, uh, I mean, we need to – change our line of thinking on that this team could be more dangerous in the postseason uh than what we had you know previously given them credit for so and i do think seeding matters i think uh, having home court advantage matters because unlike the last couple of seasons lance the mavs actually have a home court advantage again <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah uh you know let me let me look up the uh let me see if I can get this pulled up real quick. But the Mavs are 22 and 11 at home this year. Mm. And they're over 500 on the road, too. They're 17 and 14. But that 22 and 11 at home is so nice to see because it feels like, and especially last season, uh, you know, they were just, they, they were letting games slip at home that they shouldn't have. There wasn't a true, and maybe that had something to do with, with the COVID stuff. Um, you know, they were a little bit better. They were 21 and 15. But then you go back to the season before that. Let's see. The 2019-2020 season, they were 20 and 18. <laughs> so almost yeah. 500 at home. So it, it's great to see that. Uh, it seems like they actually have a legit home court advantage now. And uh, thanks to their win over Utah uh, on Monday night, they're now just a half game behind them and they still have a head to head coming. Uh, they can't win the season series, but they can end it in a 2-2 tie. Uh, and they can, you know, they kind of control their own destiny right now, too, because, uh, you know, uh, Utah, they have some tough games down the stretch. And if they can, if the Mavs can take that second or that final head-to-head -head matchup, which is the fourth of the season, I think on March 27th, then uh, I think that'll give them, that'll pretty much put them in the driver's seat uh, to get home court if they if they handle the rest of their business, but uh, I mean, what what are you thinking about the home court home court thing? Obviously, if Luca is healthy, it doesn't you know it doesn't matter too too much because he's so good. If he's healthy, he's the best player on the court uh, on most nights, and you have a chance to win against anybody. But 
I mean, how vital is it, in your opinion, that the Mavs continue the streak they're on and go and capture home court for the first time in over a decade? I mean, obviously, it'd be, it'd be great for momentum and obviously for just a franchise overall. But at the end of the day, I really am. I don't want to say I'm concerned because I, I think the Mavs are good enough to get out of that first round. But with the, with the rumors of Kawhi possibly coming back, uh, I, I mean, I'm more concerned with, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, obviously home court advantage. But whatever it takes for them to get, like, a favorable matchup. And obviously you don't want to, like, tank during the season because teams have done that in the past, like, to get a certain matchup, and it kind of, like, blows up in their face. Because um, I, I really the Western Conference is the Western Conference. They'll play Utah. I know a lot of fans don't take Utah seriously, but defensively, you know, they're cohesive enough to like bother Luca. Yeah, they're missing some pieces like Ingles. You know, they traded him after he got hurt. Um, you know, people will talk about how uh, the Mavs are better than the Denver Nuggets, like statistic wise, but like, would you really want to play Jokic? in a best of seven because we've seen him, you know, upset and torment plenty of teams. And then there's a Memphis part, which once again, yes, the Mavericks have pretty much beat them almost every, I think, I think they've won like the last four or five matchups, I believe. Uh, against yeah. And, and, and they're three and oh against Memphis this year when Luca plays yeah. Which only yeah. two of those, only two of those have featured both Luca and Ja Morant, but Luca's right. two and zero versus Ja head to head this year. Yeah. But either way you spin it, man, like the Mavs are going to be challenged either way. Um, so, I mean, I think it's important. I just, I just, I'm just ready to, for the playoffs to start and we just go ahead and see it instead of speculating, because honestly, any, you can do a pros and cons for each matchup and, and I can give you about three to four cons to go with the pros. So it's just time for the Mavs to prove it, you know, because we we've been talking about, you know, pretty much how they played the Clippers two years in a row. And honestly, that you know, I, I think if the Mavs played anyone else last season, except for, you know, Phoenix, they would have got out of the first round. It just so happens they played the Clippers two years in a row. So I just want to, you know, I'm ready to see it happen at this point. So sorry for the boring answer. It's just, no, this course has it, been the kind of the same the last couple months. So, well, the the Mavs are definitely in that in that you know they definitely have to prove it. State, you know, I've I've talked with uh with my guy Matt Galatson and even uh, Kirk Henderson over at Mavs Moneyball to an extent about you know as good as the Mavs have been and as capable as they are with this newfound defensive identity and Luca actually having more weapons around him than he ever has in his career, you still have to go get the monkey off your back and get out of the first-round series for people to take you seriously. It's kind of like – and, I mean, it's it's not exactly the same thing because obviously that 2011 championship team had a bunch of veterans, uh, you know, that had been through stuff for years and years, and it all culminated with them uh, going out there and winning a title. But – you know, it's kind of the same concept with that team. Is like, you know, the Mavs had lost so many first-round series heading into that postseason that everybody was picking against them, even though they had a really good regular season. <laughs> yeah, so, I think for most it, of the rounds, like uh, they were like they were the underdogs in every single round. <laughs> but you know, that that's kind of the same thing this year. You know, I, I think until even though the Mavs are visibly better, you know, statistically they're better. Uh, aesthetically, aesthetically, 
Sorry, got tongue tied. Got there. it. You know, everything is everything is just better so far. But they they yeah. still have to go out and they have to officially get past you know that that first round hurdle. And if they do that, then you know the sky's the limit because then everybody has even more confidence. It's like okay, now <laughs> you know a burden is lifted and they can play more freely. Uh, but that's definitely like the benchmark for me. Like they have to get past the first round and then anything after that I will be okay with. Uh, obviously you want more, uh, after that, but if they can just get past the first round, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes from there. And, and Dalton, uh, we didn't even mention they have a whole new, you know, coaching setup. So how is that going to look in the best of seven series? You know, we don't even know, right. like it's been so long since I've seen, Jason Kidd in a playoff scenario as the main guy, as the coach. I mean, like, how is it going to go? Like, now, obviously, you know, you can say this about almost any, you know, new coach on a new on a new team. But, you know, what what if they played the Clippers? I mean, that's Tyron Lewis, like one of the more underrated coaches in the league. I mean, even Michael Malone, like for the Nuggets. I mean, he's he's kind of stepped up coaching wise. There's a lot of coaching matchups where you, we could see some things like exposed in a best of seven, but I mean that's neither here nor there. I just, I just think it's it's not even just on the players. I think it's on the coaching staff too to step up. Oh yeah, I, I agree with that 100. percent And I mean, I, I get it. I, I know postseason basketball is a completely different animal from from regular season stuff, but I I do think we've seen like some hopeful things from the coaching staff, especially with some of these individual matchups, like the, the next couple times they, they play a certain team. Like we just saw it with this Utah win. Uh, the Mavs played them right out of the all-star break and lost 114-109 in Utah. And that was a game that they very, very well could have won uh, if a couple things had gone their way. And, you know, the way uh, Rudy Gobert shut down Luka in the in – the, ending part of that game you could kind of see how how kid and his coaching staff made some adjustments from that game to what we witnessed on monday night uh you know with uh, there was a lot more screening and you know there were a couple instances where gobert was just kind of confused uh on defense and he was getting into the body of his man more because he was off balance and it created fouls and you know stuff like that is encouraging to me and then you know there's a couple other instances too you know where uh, like one example that comes to mind is the the two games they played against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the first game they lost, the second game, you know, they had a different strategy for that one, and they ended up winning it uh, and holding the the Bulls to, I believe that was one where they held them under 100 points, which was crazy. Uh, so, and there, there's another chance to see some of that tonight, too. Uh, now, I know the Knicks aren't good, but they beat the Mavs by like 20 or almost 20 the last time they played them. It was, <laughs> it was embarrassing, man. It was, it was probably one, it was embarrassing. It was very embarrassing. It was one of the worst games of the season for the Mavs at Madison Square Garden. Uh, as good as Dwight Powell has been this year, I mean, it was a complete dud for him in New York, uh, and they lost by like 20 points. So it'll be interesting – Interesting to see how they, you know, recover from that tonight and see how they play it differently against a Knicks team that's they're they're losing a lot of firepower in this one. There's a lot of guys out. They don't have Derrick Rose. They don't have uh let me see, who else did they not have tonight? 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I have to look and see. I, there, there's a lot of people out, but the main thing is Julius Randle is not out, and he is he's good enough now to where he is like exceeded the versus Mavs All Star label. But he still raises his game against the Mavs every time he plays them, and it's in Dallas, so uh, you have to worry about that. But he exploded for forty forty something points, I think forty six in the last game for New York. So hopefully he got that out of his system before. <laughs> before this upcoming game we'll see how it goes but uh lance we're going to move on to our well one of our last topics here but luca has been on an absolute tear uh basically since he came back from from covid protocols on new year's eve or no it was it was the second when they played okc so he came back from protocols in 2022 he's been on an absolute tear since as the months have progressed, he has raised his game even more. Uh, and now it's gotten to the point where he's starting to get more traction on the MVP conversation. And, you know, statistically and like efficiency wise and everything, I don't think he's going to end up winning the, winning the award or anything. But I do think there's a very strong case uh, you know, for him to be a, an MVP finalist at the very least. So top three in MVP voting, if he continues this tear and he ends up with, you know, a better record than some of these other teams, because 
you know, as Jokic, as, as great as Jokic is and as great as he has been this year, he's had an, a historical season and he won the MVP last year. You know, the Mavs are still ahead of them in the standings, and I know they have a bunch of injury stuff you have to factor in too, but, you know, the Mavs have a better record than the Nuggets. Uh, the Mavs are only four games behind the Grizzlies. And John Morant, you know, even though he has had an outstanding season, he hasn't really had as good of a season as Luka, and the Grizzlies are still 12-2 and two without him this year. So, I mean, that's kind of, you know, for me – and I mean, I know I don't know exactly what all these people look at when they're voting on this, but when you look at the the fiber of what it means to be an MVP, I mean that kind of I would I would factor that into it pretty heavily. You know, how did the team perform when when John Morant wasn't able to play, and the Grizzlies were just fine without him? Whereas the Mavs, they're seven and nine when Luca doesn't play. So you know, I I would uh, put Luca ahead of Ja just because of that. And then, you know, you look in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks are 41 and 25. I mean, basically the same record as the Mavs, the Philadelphia 76ers, 40 and 24. So Giannis and Joel Embiid. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm not being an irrational uh, looking through Mavs glasses type of guy. When I say that, you know, Luca has a legitimate shot to be an MVP finalist, but what do you think about it? Okay, so I think Jokic and Embiid are locks to be finalists. It's it's up to them. It's their award to lose. I really think it's going to be Embiid or Jokic. And honestly, I think it's going to be Embiid because, I mean, you've heard talking heads, you know, literally say we've gave it to Jokic already, as if they're already admitting that they're not they're not voting for him again. Even though, I mean, to me, he's putting out way more spectacular numbers with the less help on a nightly basis than Embiid. Uh, but I wouldn't be, be mad if and be lost. And now that third spot, that's where it's kind of up in arms because usually I'm all about seeding, but like every, there's, everyone's separated by like pretty much aside from the Phoenix Suns, like it's pretty much like a two or three game like separation. And some of these one game separation from, you know, the third to the, the sixth seed, like the East is just crazy with their, their standings right now, you know? So I really think it's going to end up being, Jokic and Bede or, you know, inverse that however you'd like. And then that third spot, I, I think Giannis is going to end up being a finalist. But if someone wants to put Luka in that third spot, I wouldn't be as mad. But it's just – and I know people, they, they kind of get irritated when I say this, but Luka's slow start should should be used as punishment for, in the MVP discussion. I know he's been having a great New Year's, but at some point it's going to have to matter that he starts slow. You know, and, yeah, and hopefully and I, he'll address that next season. But that's my train of thought. Yeah, and I, I mentioned this on on Twitter briefly uh, the other day too. I mean, I think he's played well enough to to make up for the slow start to get into that finalist spot. I don't think it's good enough for him to win it unless he just you know continues its absolute tear for the last. 17 games and the other guys just kind of fall off a little bit, which I don't foresee right. that happening. But I mean, you're right. I mean, the slow start is something that's, that's keeping him from being uh, a true MVP favorite. Cause he's gone into the last two regular seasons as the odds on favorite, favorite yeah. <laughs> uh, to win MVP. And every single time he, he starts out slow and he, he's not in the best of shape. And to his credit, he, uh, you know, he got on a, he, he, 
hired a nutritionist and everything, and he, he really worked himself into the best shape possible this season. But, you know, we'll see if that if that carries over into the summer and, and we'll see how he starts next season because I believe if he if he can start the season in the shape that he's in right now, I think it's just, you know, like all bets are off. I think he's he's actually the MVP favorite. And, you know, he, he won't have, like, as much competition because if he starts in that kind of shape and the Mavs are firing on all, all cylinders from the get-go, uh, you know, they're going to be closer to that one and two seed spot by the by season's end. And then, you know, it's it's less of a debate, in my opinion. So, But, uh, we'll, Dalton, we'll, I just wanted to add, I know you said you don't know, like, what people's, like, train of thought is when they're doing the MVP voting. But it's quite obvious that John Morant, is like the narrative is like he's he's becoming like the face of the league. He's this, he's that. I really think that although I think Luca deserves it over him, I think I think Morant might end up getting more votes based on the the machine push by a lot of the you know the big networks and stuff. So I, I mean, look, we should take a look at that. I mean, look, he he is super exciting. I mean, he is he's like prime Derrick Rose athletic. <laughs> with with a little bit better jump shot. And, you know, I, I think – I mean, I get the appeal of John Moran. I really – I enjoy watching the guy. I mean, he's been incredible. I just I just can't get over the hurdle of, you know, the Grizzlies still winning 12 games and only losing two times when he didn't play. I mean, that just – that shows how well the Grizzlies have drafted. That shows how well they've done adding pieces to the roster – through trade, free agency, all avenues that that front office has just done an incredible job uh, assembling that team. And although John ja Morant might be playing, you know, at an MVP level statistically, I mean, it's it's been kind of proven that he may not be the most valuable player on the team based on <laughs> based on how his team has performed without him. I mean, that's just that's just my thing. I, I don't know. I don't like I said I don't know how much people actually put into that specific stat when they're voting on it but I do see the appeal of him he's very exciting he's very good uh I just think if you're you know looking at it with all factors considered uh I think Luca is is more valuable to his team than John Morant is to the Grizzlies based on you know what we've seen this season Yeah I mean I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole I just think uh American media wants an American star to latch on to, like. And I and I agree with that happened. too. I, I think that's definitely. I think that definitely has something to do with it as well. And I mean, look, if uh, you know, if 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 Ja Morant ends up being higher than Luca in the MVP race, that's just going to give Luca another chip on his shoulder. You know, we saw he won't he will not come out and say this. And I've mentioned this on a few different pods before this. He won't ever come out and say this. But he absolutely thought about John Morant taking his all-star starter spot <laughs> this year. And I think that is like one of the factors that has fueled this second half of the season run. You know, he was just thinking, he's like, uh-oh, well, this guy's come and he's taken something of mine. Well, I got to go back out there and prove myself again. And uh, I, definitely in those Mavs-Grizzlies matchups, you can tell Luka takes it very, very personally. Which is one reason why I would, you know, be okay with the Mavs playing the Grizzlies in in the in a first round series. I just, I mean, I, they they say that uh, be careful what you wish for 
in certain situations. And, you know, I might come back to regret that if it happens, but I just really think the Mavs kind of have the Grizzlies number and with the way the seating is with the way, you know, as well as both teams have played, I don't think it's something that's going to happen because I think the Mavs would have to fall to like uh, sixth, at least sixth, to have a chance of playing the Grizzlies. But even then, the Grizzlies might be at the second seed because of how the Warriors have played. So I think what it's going to come down to is the Mavs will either play uh, Utah, Denver, or the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how it goes from there. But either way, I think uh, Luca will still have a chip on his shoulder. And even if he doesn't – even if he's not an all-star um, – not an all-star. Even if he's not an MVP finalist, Lance, I think he has played well enough to where he has overtaken Steph Curry for that uh, all-NBA first-team spot. Oh, I agree. Steph's shooting has been – has plummeted and also I mean they're overall they just been I mean they lost to the Lakers they've been losing an alarming amount of games since losing Draymond Green and you know unless like Draymond comes back and Steph like gets back into form I could definitely see Luca well okay so rationally speaking I can see it but at the same time we keep on talking about the media and the voters yeah I could see also uh, a picture where Steph keeps that first team all NBA and just because off reputation and the strong start, which I hate that I keep bringing up strong starts, but well, the I, I know the media likes to punish, you know, punish people for those slow starts, but the reputation thing, I could definitely see that, but you know, I I've, I've actually been surprised at how hard the media has been on the war. And I mean, I know they've, they've, they've been awful. I think they've lost what two of their last, or they've lost eight of their last 10 games. Um, or maybe it's seven of their last 10 because they just won against the Clippers last night. But anyway, you know, the media has been pretty tough on them lately, especially on, on Steph. Cause like you said, he's, his shooting has plummeted. Uh, you know, he's still shooting 36% from three, but like for Steph Curry, that's like what 25% for, <laughs> for a normal player. Uh, so, you know, he's just, he, he is kind of, uh, tailed off at the end of this season and uh the way Luca has been especially if he can continue it for this last uh 17 games or however many games he plays because I'm sure he'll get some rest as the playoffs get closer but uh, I really do think he has a legitimate shot of getting his third consecutive all NBA first team selection which would be incredible after after the slow start we keep mentioning that he had and hopefully he comes into next season you know, after two straight years of this and the the social media and uh, the national media ridicule and, you know, all the crap he had to deal with this year with people talking about his weight and everything and then John Morant taking that next step and taking a lot of the attention away from him, like maybe all of that balled into one is what Luca needed, you know, to get to that next level and, you know, to have that next level of maturation and, you know, maybe it'll, maybe the Mavs will explode from here because of it, because they've already uh, kind of exceeded expectations based on what everybody thought would happen when the when the Mavs hired Jason Kidd. Uh, that has turned out amazingly. I mean, uh, the Mavs are still technically in the fifth spot, so uh, they still have to climb the ladder and get to home court and you know continue to excel and get higher. But uh, so far, so good. 
uh, for everything with the Dallas Mavericks, and we'll see how they finish off this season and who they end up playing in the postseason. And we'll have to come back on here and, uh, you know, do a playoff preview as well. I'll get you and uh, our guy Grant and Matt, and we'll just – we'll kind of get everybody in here to – kind of give their take before before the postseason starts but lance i appreciate you joining me man uh hope you have a great rest of the day and uh, you got anything else before we take off here uh no i just uh thanks dalton for having me on um and uh i just want to let the listeners know that i am working on an award piece i know it's t- kind of taking me a while it's just uh, a lot of moving parts have happened in the league and it's, it seems like the the award races for mvp the discussion changes like every other day. So I'm just trying to make sure I get a, like a concrete, you know, discussion going in my piece, but uh, yeah, thanks again, Dalton, for having me on and uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned. And uh, Dalton always has great guests on and look forward to hearing your next episode, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. And yeah, y'all definitely go over to DallasBasketball.com. Like I can't even, I haven't even been able to keep up as much with you know as much good content has been up has been up on the site the last couple of days i mean there is just there is just wads of mavs content on there y'all go check it out uh you know if you have if you have time to kill before tonight's mavs Knicks game i mean you can you name it it's on dallasbasketball.com so go do that uh like i mentioned at the at the top of the show uh be sure to go like rate and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for a chance to uh, to win some Mavs tickets down the line. If you leave us a review, you're automatically entered for a chance uh, to win those giveaways. So be sure to do that and go join our Discord. We're doing another watch party for tonight's Mavs-Knicks game. Uh, again, I will post that link. It will be in the description box of this episode, so if you're listening – you know, wherever you're listening to this podcast, it'll be uh, linked at the bottom of the description box. And then I'll also tweet it out uh, here shortly as well. So be sure to go join our Discord channel, our community there. And uh, when I post the link to those watch parties, you know, join them. And it, it's a good it's a good time. We have a chat there and we, you know, we can do some stage talk on video. It's it's a really cool thing. Playback is like the future of how of how people will watch sports together. So. Y'all be sure to do that. Guys, appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com